The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 111. A Nice Friendly Game of Chess. 1886. May 2nd, Ilium, Colorado. Paris woke up to the sound of gunfire. She fell out of bed and then rushed to the door. She realized she was naked and then ran back to dress. I helped her put on her clothes and strap on her gun belts. She grabbed the rifle that was leaning against the crate and hurried out the door. I gathered my own clothes and began to dress as well. In the bar below, most of the tables had been torn apart and nailed to the walls to make them bulletproof. The windows had been boarded up with only a slit left open for a rifle or a gun. The door was shut and barred. Hector and Paris's brothers were taking cover either behind the bar or behind the walls where they had been reinforced. What the hell is going on? Paris yelled from the railing of the second floor. What do you think? They're here, Hector yelled back. What do they want? You know what they want. I mean, specifically, what were their demands? They've yet to make any demands. They just started firing. Who is it? It's the cavalry, mostly. But there's others out there. Looks like some of the railroad workers. And I swear those are strike breakers. Paris ran down the steps and joined Hector, taking cover behind one of the reinforced walls. Strike breakers? Pinkertons? Odysseus sent the Pinkertons after us? Paris asked. Who's Odysseus? Hector asked in return. I'm sorry. Oscar Rightway. I thought he was on our side. I thought the Pinkertons were on our side. Paris realized she had honestly begun to think of him as Odysseus. Hector stood for a moment, then peeked through one of the windows. Is he the man in the pinstripe suit with the round eyeglasses? That's him. They're all set up across the street at the train station. He's front and center. Hold on. I'll be back. Paris stood and then ran back up the stairs, holding tight to her rifle. Cassandra got up from behind the bar and followed after her. At the far end of the balcony, she handed her rifle to Cassandra, opened a closet, pulled out a ladder, and then set it up. She climbed up the ladder to the hatch in the ceiling. Climbing through the hatch, she looked back at Cassandra, who handed her the rifle. Are you coming? Oh, I wouldn't miss this, Cassandra said as she began to climb the ladder as well. Paris and Cassandra made their way through the attic to a set of windows that faced out towards the railroad station. They each took positions on either side and opened their windows. Paris handed Cassandra the rifle and then pulled the single-action army pistol for herself. The bell above the train station. Can you hit it? Paris asked. Of course, Cassandra answered. All right. On three. One, two, three. They both shot through their windows, ringing the bell twice. The cavalry at the train station stopped shooting, then scrambled for cover. Cease fire! Paris yelled out her window while staying under cover. What are you shooting us for? There's innocent people in here. You're going to get someone killed. There are no innocent people in there. Everyone in that bar is guilty of harboring a fugitive. One of the Pinkerton strikebreakers yelled out, What fugitive? 
There are no fugitives in here. Paris yelled back. We're here to arrest Annabelle Lee. What for? Vandalism? Rigged boxing matches? Running an illegal brothel? Illegally producing alcohol for consumption? Inciting violence? Bank robbery? Assault? Arson? Murder? And kidnapping? The man finished. Did you forget? I also spit on the sidewalk once. Paris yelled. We can add that too if you'd like. He yelled back. I thought you were here for Helen. Helen didn't do anything wrong. But if you surrender her, maybe it takes us too long to get her home and we won't exactly know what happened to you. That's not going to happen. Then surrender yourself or we'll take everyone by force. I appreciate your position, but I'm warning you. I will defend Helen. I will defend this bar. If you fire one more shot at my friends, it will be the last thing you do. Paris looked over at Cassandra. Can you get him? Cassandra peeked over for a moment, then popped back down under cover. Yeah, I got him. Then surrender yourself, the man yelled back up at Paris. No. The man lifted a rifle and aimed at the windowsill. He moved his aim over just a little, hoping to shoot through the wall where Paris was hiding. Paris crawled away from the window where she had been seen. If he fires, fire back a warning shot just across his ear, she instructed. Cassandra winked at her. He pulled the trigger. The bullet grazed the edge of the windowsill and ricocheted into the glass, shattering it. Cassandra popped up from her hiding space for only a second. She fired a shot and then sat back down. It was quiet. Paris scooted back to the window and took a peek out. The Pinkerton agent lay dead in front of the train station, a bullet hole in his head. You were supposed to shoot past his head. I did shoot past his head, Cassandra explained. No, you shot through his head. There is a big difference. I meant you should miss him. <laughs> yeah, well, it's still a warning shot. It warns everyone else. Is there anyone out there more reasonable to talk to? Paris asked but was answered only with gunfire, as the cavalry and the Pinkertons with rifles began to fire once again at the bar and the attic. Well, that didn't accomplish much, she told Cassandra as they made their way back through the attic to the ladder. Paris was climbing down the ladder as I came out of the room finely dressed. She took my hand and led me downstairs, then took me to hide behind the bar with Colin and Henry. We sat down and listened to the gunfire hit against the wood of the saloon. Where's Polyzina? I asked. Celia took everybody in town not ready to fight up to the Amazon camp to keep them safe. Colin explained. So who's here? My brothers, Colin, Henry, Cassandra, Alice, your uncle, and Homer. Paris said. Homer? Who's Homer? He's Alan's new boyfriend, apparently. I've only met him briefly. I think they're upstairs in one of the rooms. Paris smiled. I'm sorry, my love, but Oscar is out there. He's helping them. Oh no, he's going to get himself hurt. You have to save him. Save him? He's helping them. I think he organized this. Why should I save him? Because I promised Penelope I wouldn't let him get hurt. It's not his fault. Agamemnon has a way of manipulating people. Please, do what you can, I begged. Who is Agamemnon? asked Colin. The Baron, Paris answered. And who's Oscar? Oscar Rightway. He's the one that originally hired me. 
Wait, what? Oscar Rightway? The reporter? He's out there leading this attack? Asked Henry. It's been years since he's been a reporter. He's a detective now, I told him. If we get him in the bar, can you tie him up, hold him somewhere? Paris asked. Oh, I've been waiting years to punch that guy's lights out. You get him in here, I'll take care of him. Colin said as he made a fist and punched the open palm of his hand. Don't hurt him too bad. He's my friend, I said. (laughs) Don't worry. He'll survive. But he's gonna feel it. Colin smiled. The shooting stopped and Paris peeked over the bar. Hector, still sitting by the door, took a moment to peek through the window. We have a problem, he called to Paris. Stay here. Paris instructed me, and she ran half-crouched over to where her brother was sitting. What's wrong? Paris asked Hector. They have a Gatlin gun, he replied. They have a what? Asked Cassandra. Paris peeked up through the window and saw them setting it up. She knew the gun was powerful enough to tear through the walls, even reinforced. She sat back down and looked at Cassandra. It's a Gatling gun, all right. It's mine, Cassandra claimed. Hold on. If we survive this, I'm keeping the gun. No way! I saw it first! Cassandra argued. You literally didn't! Edgar saw it first, and I saw it second. So if anyone has a claim on it, it's Edgar, Paris said. Can we stop talking about it and do something about it? He asked. First person to kill the man loading the gun gets to keep it. Paris claimed. Cassandra stood from her hiding place, set the rifle in the slit in the window, and fired. She sat back down again and pouted. I missed, she claimed. At that point, the Gatling gun began to fire. Its bullets were focused on the door, and the door began to splinter and fall apart. Paris stood from her hiding spot with her single-action army pistol, She aimed out the window and fired one shot, and the Gatling gun went silent. I wonder where I should keep my new gun. Eddie, I think we're going to need to build a house, Paris speculated. They're sending someone else to fire the gun, Cassandra claimed. Alcibi stepped out from her hiding place next to the door. She looked through the now-destroyed front door with her nickel-plated colts. She fired two shots and then moved back behind the wall. Can we stop arguing about this and perhaps do something to stop it? She asked. Okay, hold on. Paris got up and Elsabee helped her take the brace off of what was left of the door. They opened it and she stepped out. Paris held her hands in the air, but she was still holding her pistol. What is wrong with you people? Oscar, what's your problem? You're going to kill Helen. She's in here, you know. Dear God, look what you've done to the saloon. Paris yelled out still holding her hands in the air. I told you what would happen. You accepted this as the consequences. You just had to kidnap her, didn't you? Kidnap her? You know this isn't a kidnapping. She's my wife, damn it. She's not your wife. And what was your solution? Marry her off to a man who couldn't wait one night to start beating on her? Was that your plan? You know very well, even if we all die here, she would rather be here with me, than with that monster. She doesn't have to stay with him. Give her back and I will take her home to France. The Baron has promised to let her live. Oscar, we need to talk. You need to talk to Helen. I promise you, if you come over, you'll be safe. I have sworn to Helen I won't kill you. Over there? 
Yelling at each other across the street is ridiculous. We're not barbarians. Also, if one of your men decides to take a pot shot at me, Cassandra's going to kill everyone out there. Just to talk. Odysseus asked. Just to talk. Paris lied. You're not really going over there, are you? Asked Philocides. I don't think I have another choice. Odysseus argued. Viper, I need your help. Ajax claimed as he tried to lift one of the men who had been shot while manning the Gatling gun. Philocides turned and picked up the man and carried him inside the train station. Two men were dead, and they lay on the floor. The one Philocides carried was shot twice and breathing heavy. He set him on the table as Ajax opened his bag and began to remove medical supplies. Is it going to be okay? Philocides asked. At this point, I think I'd help him more if I were a priest, Ajax claimed. All right, men, hold your fire. I'm going over to talk to them. For God's sakes, don't shoot me. Odysseus said as he began to make his way across the street. Paris went back into the bar. As Odysseus stepped into the bar, he could see Paris's brothers waiting for him, and front and center stood Colin. Colin? Burn? Odysseus asked. Colin punched him. Hector grabbed him before he could fall over and held him as Paris's brothers tied him up. They carried him to one of the rooms at the second floor and sat him in a chair. I followed them. What the hell is this? You promised I'd be safe, Odysseus yelled. I'm keeping you safe. I wouldn't let anything happen to you, so I can't have you standing front and center in a war zone, I told him. Helen, this is madness. They're going to kill everyone. I have the Baron's word I can take you back to France. He will let us live in peace. You don't have to do this. Haven't you figured it out by now? I'm not doing this. I didn't start this war. You did. The Baron ordered you to do it. And you planned it out and did it. Just like the original Odysseus. And just like Odysseus, I know you didn't want to. You tried to avoid it. You tried to stop it. But when it came time to say no, they knew the lever that would move you. You agreed to this to save me. You agreed to this to try and save Penelope. But you won't be saving either of us. If I went back with you to France, you would lock me back in my tower. I would be a prisoner again. Agamemnon's prisoner now. What's the difference from locking me in that tower or locking me in the one back in New York? You wouldn't save Penelope in order to keep me safe. You would invite him back into her life. He would have his leverage on her, too. You wouldn't be saving yourself. He would demand from you plans and plots. He would make you lay out his wars. It's always what he wanted, and you would be under his thumb just to keep me safe. I love you, because I know you were trying to help. I know everything you did was to try and protect me. I love Penelope. She taught me everything— she showed me a world where I could be free if I fought for it. So, I'm fighting for it. I promised her I would keep you safe. The irony is, in order to do that, I'm going to lock you in this room. Helen, I'm sorry, but how is this going to end? He asked. The same way it always ends. With a giant horse full of men. I stepped out of the room. I turned and locked the door behind me. I took a breath. It felt odd being on this side of the door. I don't think he's coming back, one of the strikebreakers speculated. 
What are we going to do? A cavalry soldier asked. We can't just keep firing at the saloon. We're going to run out of ammunition. We wait, said Achilles. Wait? We just sit here and wait? The soldier asked. That's what a siege is. We surround them so they can't leave, and we wait for them to run out of supplies. That could take weeks. Yes, and while we receive reinforcements and more ammunition, they have to do with what they have. We've already won. We just have to wait for them to realize it. Achilles explained. Why don't you go in there and get her? Aren't you supposed to be invincible? <laughs> I'm invincible, but I'm not stupid. And I don't care that much. I'm just going to wait here and see what happens. Achilles said as he sat in a chair. He put his hands behind his head and leaned back. What is there to eat? He asked. We didn't know it would take a week. We thought they would surrender immediately, or we could just storm in there and take her. We didn't bring anything. We were ordered to leave immediately, so we left. We don't have any food. Who's oh, the genius that thought that was a good idea? The Pinkerton captain. But he's dead now. The officer pointed back to the train station, where Ajax was taking care of the wounded man. Morons. You three. Get your horses, go back for supplies. Get a cart, bring all the food, water, and alcohol you can carry. That will take days. There isn't a fort near here. We were stationed in Nevada, and we were called down to try to arrest the whiskey girl back in Denver. Then go to the railroad camp, tell the Baron what you need, he'll give it to you. Yes, sir. Don't call me sir. I'm not in charge of you, nor am I taking responsibility for any of this. In fact, I'm going to go get myself a drink, something to eat. Where? At the saloon, where else? Achilles stood from his chair. You can't go in there. No, you can't go in there. I can do what I like, he said as he began to walk across the street. What the fuck? Paris asked as Achilles walked into the saloon. She pulled two guns from her side and pointed them both at him. Everyone stopped to stare. Put those pea shooters away. I'm not here to fight. I'm here to drink. This is a bar, isn't it? Achilles said as he ignored Paris and walked past her to stand at the bar. She placed her guns back in her holsters, then went around the bar to serve him. Alice and Cassandra kept their guns pointed at him from their hiding spots near the door. All right. What'll it be? Paris asked. Beer, if you have it, Achilles said. Paris poured him a pint and then set it in front of him. So, what did you do with Oscar? Did you kill him? Achilles asked. No, he's in, shall we say, protective custody. When we're done here, we're going to ship him back to his wife. Achilles laughed and then asked. <laughs> do you have anything to eat? There's chili. Chili will be fine. So where is this girl? All this trouble over a beautiful girl? Who cares? Beautiful girl, not beautiful girl. Wasted effort, really. Beauty is fleeting. Meaningless. Here today, gone tomorrow. Achilles looked at his arms, scarred from the train accident, the fighting, the bounty hunting, and the killing. He thought back to when people used to tell him he was beautiful. But it didn't last. And it won't last for her, either. You want to talk to Helen? You have my word. I'm not here to harm anyone or take anything from you. Just here to drink. Have a bowl of chili. All right. Paris walked around the bar and leaned down to ask me. Could you 
Get a bowl of chili for our guest. I'd like to meet you. You don't have to if you don't want to, Paris said. You'll keep me safe? I will always keep you safe, she insisted. Okay, I said as I got up and went to the kitchen. I served up a bowl of chili and then took it to Achilles. Paris stood in front of him. Everyone else in the bar seemed to be watching us, except for Hector, who was watching the men across the street. Hi, I'm Helen. It's wonderful to meet you. I don't think we've ever met before. No, I don't think we have. You're not that pretty. But I guess it doesn't really matter, does it? Achilles said as he began to eat his chili. And you're not a monster. But no, it doesn't matter, I replied. You're going to try and take me back whether I like it or not. Whether you like it or not. Why not just walk away? Why not let me be? I don't want to go back. I'd rather die. But you don't really want to kill anyone. Nor do you care where or with whom I live, I asked. Sadly, it's my job. I have yet to be ordered specifically to come in here and drag you out. But I will if they make me. You'll try, Paris said. So, where is your father, the Colorado kid? I thought your moves looked familiar. He's gone, but he taught me everything he knew. You want to fight? I've already beaten you once, Paris claimed. You didn't beat me. Achilles slammed his fist on the counter. You quit and walked away before the fight was over, just like your father. And I seem to remember the other day throwing you out of the security tent and kicking your ass halfway across the camp. No one has yet ordered me to take you out, but when they do, I promise you, we will finally finish this fight. Achilles ate the last of his chili and drank down his beer. He set the glass down hard on the bar. Achilles. I addressed him by his true name, and he smiled at me. He liked the name because he felt it fit him. You don't have to. You don't have to die. Lifetime after lifetime, this war takes everything from you, and all you have to do is not fight it. It was a trap, set for you, and it still is. I want to live through this. I want Paris to live through it with me. I want to find peace, love, and happiness. Why don't you do the same? You can still walk away. You can let it go. I see now. I see the beauty. It's not in your face. I'm sorry, pretty lady. This is my job, and I will see it to the end. Achilles turned from the bar and walked out of the saloon. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee, artwork by Helen Lee, performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. <laughs>